Um, wasn't sure what way to go, but I decided to talk about fathers. Um, how many of you here have fathers? <laughs> I was wondering how many of you would get that. All right, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, when you first hear the word dad, some of you just looked at him like, idiot, what kind of a question was that? You know? <laughs> Whether uh, you have good connotations or good memories, when you hear the word dad, what comes to mind? Might be good, maybe not so good. Perhaps you've heard the statement before, and I, whenever I've heard it, I thought so true. Any man can father a child, but it takes a real man to be a father to a child. Did you get that? If there's ever been a time in our history when men need to step up and be leaders of their families, it is now. Oh, how our world needs godly fathers. Fathers who will not just be there, but will lead their children and their families with integrity, virtue, honesty, honor. What our world and churches desperately need today are godly men and godly fathers, and we can all say amen to that. I'm not sure why God blessed me with such a wonderful father. Um, I have nothing but fondness as I think about my grown-up years as a child and even today. This morning I want to touch on just a few things that I've seen in my dad over the years. Um, things that kind of stand out to me. So if you'll excuse me some this morning, I want to divulge a little bit of some of the things in my memory in my childhood. But let me first make this statement. Dads are not perfect, are we? Dads are not perfect because we're human. And um, my dad is human, thus he's not perfect. But godly fathers wield a powerful influence, not just on our families, but on the society as well. Now, not everyone in here is a father, obviously. Um, not everyone in here may have grown up with a wonderful, godly example, but the things that we're going to share this morning are things that we can all incorporate into our life, much like Mother's Day. The things we're going to talk about today, moms and grandmas and grandparents or whatnot, you can exude these traits in your life. But the first thing that I want to talk about today is that a godly father, here we go again, it's going to, there we go. A godly father will set a godly example. A godly father will set a godly example. A couple weeks ago, many of you know, I was down in Chilhowee, Virginia, doing a camp meeting down there, and I met a guy named Bobby Dunn, just a great friend of mine. He just recently retired at the church down there. And he told me a story that whenever he was just a young father, I think he had a child that was about two years old, this is before Bobby was in the ministry, before he, was, uh, before he had accepted Christ. Um, Bobby was an avid smoker. And um, he recalls one day when his little boy, one or two years old, um, came up to him and tapped him on the shirt pocket right here. And that's where he kept his pack of cigarettes. And the little boy packed, or tapped on it and he said, Daddy, I want one. Ooh. 
And in a split second, Bobby thought, what have I done? What am I doing? And it woke him up a little bit. It made him realize the example that he has been and that he was being to his kids. And that, turns out, was one of the instrumental moments in Bobby's life that eventually led him to the Lord. Dads, you know this. You know that our kids and our families are watching us, but we don't always think about it, do we? What are we to do first? Well, everything I'm going to talk about today, we need to look to Jesus Christ. We need to look to our Heavenly Father, but we need to look to Jesus. Jesus said in John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. You see, Jesus set the example for all of us by having his own intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus' life here on earth was simply a reflection of his relationship to his Father. So as we saw and see Jesus, we see the Father. As our kids see us, may they see Jesus, a tall order. But that's what we are called to do, dads. And dads, may this be our goal, that our kids follow us as we follow our Heavenly Father. My dad set this example when he had his experience with Jesus Christ. He, uh, his story is when he was around 12 or 13 years old, he was going to the Holler Rock in a non-denominational holiness camp meeting. It's the one that I'm going to be doing the music again here in about a month and a half. It's the campground in eastern Ohio, down by the uh, Ohio River. Um, it's the camp that I grew up in, and as a kid, I just longed to one day be up there doing something with music, and here I am leading music again. But it was at that camp meeting when Dad was 12 or 13 years old, back whenever they had dirt floors and they had to use the sawdust for floor. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah had used the sawdust floors. And Dad said as a kid he was under such conviction in that camp service that he was counting the beams in the tabernacle just to get his mind off of what was taking place. And then he started to reason with himself and he started to bargain with the Lord. You know how we do. And, and um, he said, you know, if Dad, which we call Dad, Dad, it would be my grandfather, so Dad's Dad, he said, you know, if... Dad goes up to the altar to pray about anything, then God, that's a sign that I'm supposed to go. Knowing that Dad's heart was right with the Lord and he had nothing to pray about, so he thought he was safe. And of course, that was the service that Dad went up to the altar. And Dad followed suit and gloriously got saved and accepted Jesus. My memory is filled with visions of my dad I didn't think I was going to cry. (laughs) My dad, sitting on the floor with his legs curled up, with glasses, his reading glasses, coming down halfway on his nose with an old Indian blanket just wrapped over him with the Word of God on the floor. And he would just read the Word of God. And how many times I remember seeing Dad... Then he would close up the Bible and he would turn over and he would just kneel out the couch with that same Indian blanket just draped over him. And my dad set the example. It's kind of funny. As I'm saying this, my kids are probably thinking, I too love to curl my legs up. (laughs) I too have reading glasses today. 
And they too come halfway down my nose. And as I'm reading my word, I realize that I'm acting just like my dad. And in this case, that's a good thing. Many of us, we go through life saying, I don't want to sound or look just like my mom or look just like my dad, but there are some things that we need to imitate. Some things we need to follow the example. And that's memories of my father growing up. This point can be an entirely, and a message by itself. But may the example, dads, that we set for our kids at church be the same as we live at home. The example that we set at church be the same as what we live at home. A godly father will set a godly example. Number two, a godly father will lead his children into the same relationship. Did you get that? A godly father will lead his children into the same relationship. I asked this question a couple years ago when I led a men's study over here, but if you were to ask uh, fathers today all around the world, what is the single most important job that you have as a dad? What do you think are some of the answers that they might say? They may, might say things like this, to instill a sense of self-confidence in their children, to be bold and sure of who they are, to teach their kids that they can accomplish anything in life that they want to as long as they work hard. Be honest and kind and gentle and generous to mankind. Have a good work ethic. Some teach the message of never back down from anyone or anything. Some just want their kids to get out of the house. <laughs> Some just want their kids to be responsible and to be able to live on their own and contribute to society. And, you know, to a degree, these are all fine and dandy, but should these really be the number one goal of a father? And, of course, I say no. Dads, our number one goal, our main purpose in life is to lead our kids into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it, folks. I should have gotten an entire room of amens on that statement right there. That's our number one goal is to lead our kids to Jesus Christ. I cringe every time that I hear, and this doesn't happen a lot, but I have heard this down through the years. I cringe whenever I hear parents say, I want my child to figure this stuff out on their own. I don't want to force them into anything. I don't want to push them anything. But this faith, you know, they're going to need to make those decisions on their own. And what kind of faith to have is going to be up to them. That's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. No, we can't force this thing called Jesus on our kids. But to not teach and train a child regarding the most important decision that they will ever make in life, seriously, is like handing a, a child who's five or six years old, handing them a loaded gun and saying, here, you figure it out. Crazy. Dads. That's our most important job. The most important job. Jesus, again, our example for it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. It goes without saying that Jesus' sole purpose in life 
was to get people to follow him. And dads, that must be our goal right now. Even if, dads, you have kids that are outside the home who don't know the Lord, you still have a job to do. You still have a job to pray for them, to try and help them, to try and influence them to Jesus Christ. This must be our main priority, our highest calling for dads. What does it profit us if our kids gain the whole world, but they lose their souls? My dad was either personally involved in our salvations as kids, or he was right there, near, and present at the time. (laughs) My brother Brent, he was nine years old at the time we were having family devotions at home, and and Brent, for whatever reason, um, had a sleeping bag on the floor. And and he kind of had that sleeping bag on, just, you know, up around his legs. And the family, evidently, we were talking about the return of Jesus Christ and coming again. And how that day is coming, and are you ready? And Dad was telling us kids, are you ready? And, and, and Dad remembers, the longer we talked about this, the, the lower and deeper into the sleeping bag that Brent got. <laughs> and Dad realized and recognized what was happening. Brent was under conviction. God was dealing with Brent's heart. He recognized that. And so, right then and there, Mom and Dad talked to Brent and said, Brent, Is everything okay with you and God? And he said, no. And that right there is where Brent accepted Jesus Christ. My sister Kim, my sister Kim and I had the same story. Bloomingdale Church of God over by Wintersville and Steubenville. The church no longer exists. But um, Sister Nestor was our Sunday school teacher. And um, both Kim and I accepted Christ in Sister Nestor's Sunday school class. Teachers, you think you're not making an influence on your kids? Never stop. Never stop preparing teachers. Never stop teaching our kids. You never know today or next Sunday, maybe the day that one of those kids accepts Jesus. But see, mom and dad were faithful to take us to church. They were faithful to get us into Sunday school. They were faithful to have us where we needed to be so we could be influenced. My sister Jamie was, we were going to the Irondale Nazarene Church when I believe she was around 9 or 12 years old as well when she accepted Jesus Christ. Bottom line, his dad was right there through it all. Whether he was personally involved with the prayer, or he had his kids, or he had his kids where he needed to be, they needed to be in order to accept Christ. Oh, how I thank God for giving me parents and a father like that. This is what godly fathers do. Number three. Godly fathers will show an unwavering faith and commitment to God. They will show an unwavering faith and commitment to God. Again, looking to Jesus. John 4.34 Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing His work. This was Jesus' one goal and one aim in life right there, to do the will of his Father. And he even went to the cross, fulfilling the will of his Father. Jesus showed an unwavering commitment to his Father. I've seen that commitment out of my dad. I remember one Sunday morning years ago when we were kids, we, we, um, where our house was at, the, the drive, we went down the hill and into the garage. And um, there was a lot of ice. There was a lot of snow that morning. And 
dad's commitment to get that car out of the driveway just so we can get to church was incredible. And he tried for 10, 15 minutes to get it out of there. And he shoveled uh, a tire track so we can get off the driveway and get up into the grass and get up. And, and after 10 or 15 minutes, we finally got out of that driveway because he had to get his kids to church. He showed an unwavering commitment to God and the church. When my mom and dad, had, my grandparents, my dad's mom and dad died, and through various other times, I've heard dad say this, quote, Now is the time that I must live what I've been preaching all of these years. This thing called Christianity is either real or it's not. And we're either going to walk away or we're going to stay the course. And then he would say, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, these are things as kids you don't forget. These are things that you will take for the rest of your lives. John Getchy, you've told me, train up a child in the way that they should go, and in the end they will not forget about it. That's the truth. Some of these things I will take with me into my dad. Some of dad's words and his influences. <laughs> family devotions. I don't know if you've had family devotions, and I'm sure my kids have felt the same way, but there are times whenever I thought family devotions would never end. Oh, come on, Dad, let's go. You know, some of Dad's prayers would go on and on and on, but I'm so grateful for parents who would have family devotions with them. Hmm. Dad is frequently talking about God. Again, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal. Dad's not perfect. None of us are perfect, but some of the good traits... I can't remember too many times, folks, if, if you're around dad, if you're around dad for very long, at some point in time, the topic of God's going to come up. The topic of Jesus is going to come up. And that has made an incredible impact on us kids. I've read it many times before. Deuteronomy 6. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I'm reminded of those words as a child. Listen, I'm not talking about a legalistic lifestyle here. I'm not talking about a father who said, you do this or else. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a love and a faith and a commitment to Jesus that is so strong that these things are just automatic, dads. They're just, they just become automatic after time. I'm talking about watching a father. I preached about this, I think last week or two weeks ago. I watched a father who had a hunger and a thirst. For the righteousness of God. And it wasn't just whenever he took us to church. It was Monday through Saturday that I saw it. Godly fathers will show an unwavering faith and commitment to God. And the rest just kind of falls into place. This next point, this next trait, is kind of hard perhaps for some people, but it's so true. I almost hesitate to give it, but I'm going to share it anyways. A godly father will be there for his children. A godly father will be there for his children. In 1960, 9% of the children were living in single-parent homes. 
1980, that number jumped to 19%. Today, over 34% of the kids, that's one out of every kids, are living in single-parent homes. If you look at the African-American community, that number, 34%, jumps to 72%. That's about every three kids out of four are living in a single-parent home, and most of the time it's with mom. Think about the number of boys growing up today without a strong, positive father figure. Dads who just aren't there. Mm. You know, for those who are falling into that category, that's why the church is so important. Because the church and men and characters and uh, uh, men in the church can be great Role models, great mentors for people in the church. So important. Youth leaders. Dave and Lisa, the mentors that they're being to our kids and the rest of us. Those of you who teach our kids, whether it be Sunday school or they're down there right now or children's church or Wednesday night. You may not have a clue as to how important of a role that you are playing, but Still, fathers need to be there for their kids. This weekend is uh, uh, the U.S. Open in golf. It's uh, one of golf's four major uh, tournaments. It's a huge, huge tournament. But for the first time in 30 starts of the majors, Phil Mickelson is not playing. If you like golf, that name is kind of familiar to you. Phil is kind of a fan favorite. But for the first time in 30 major starts, Phil is not there. Why is he not there? This is huge because Phil is all about majors. He wants to win majors. That's really what his life surrounds and revolves around. He's not there because his daughter is graduating from high school. And she's giving the speech at the ceremony. It's a great trait. Going back to Jesus, Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always. He also said, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Whether it was while Jesus was here on earth, or while he knew that the Holy Spirit would come in his place, Jesus was always there, Jesus is always there, and Jesus will always be there. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players ever to live, he said that he always wanted to have his dad, his dad in the stands with him. Every time he played, whether he was a kid or growing up as a professional, he always wanted his dad there because he said, when dad is there, I know I always have at least one fan. <laughs> I always have at least one fan. Dads, your kids need dad around. My dad, I don't know what's up with my voice, just bear with it. My dad, he would often, he worked in the mill, the steel mill, for 30-some years. And to be honest with you, he really hated it. <laughs> he, he didn't like it much. Um, he lived to be able to come home to his family and kids. He lived to go on the weekends and sing in churches with his family and, and minister to, to, uh, to different churches. But he wasn't much for going to the mill. But for 30-some, 30 34, 36 years, he went. And, but he, just about every time, would turn down overtime. Because he wanted to get home to be with the kids. He wanted to be out of all, out of our sporting events. 
Anytime there was something going on with the kids, he wanted to be there. We may not have had all the fancy stuff growing up, but we had the thing that we needed the most, and the thing we needed most was Dad. And he was there. I remember many times, and Dad will still do this, um, we'll just be driving down the road. A lot of times Dad just just wants us to get in the car with him and just take a drive. Whether he's going someplace or just want to take a drive, he wanted to have somebody with him. And every once in a while, Dad would be driving, and he would just do this. He would hold out his hand. And I'm like, at first, what do you want, Dad? You know, you just want five, or what do you want? And he just wanted his children to put their hand in his. He just wanted to feel their hand. He wanted to be around. And there have been times that I've done the same thing with my kids. And I never understood that as a kid. Come on, Dad. I'm right here with you. He just wanted me there. And when he grabbed my hand, it was almost as if he were saying, you are important to me. I want you near me. You're special to me. I love you. I understand that now as a kid. Even whenever dad's not physically around me, he's always there with me. What do I mean? You've heard this said before, but it's so true. There have been many times whenever I've been in environments when I've been afraid. I've been scared. Whether it be preaching or whether it be singing in front of a loud school large crowd or whatever, whatever it might be, and I get scared inside, and I will hear Dad's voice saying, Brock, go get it. I told you that today, Rochelle. Brock, don't back down. Go after life. He, he's told me, he said, look, he said, if you make a mistake, make a big one. <laughs> he said, at least you're up there, you're doing it. Don't be intimidated by anyone or anything. You get up there and you do your best for the Lord. And to this day, that is with me because of the influence that he has had. A godly father will be there for his kid. I'm running out of time. Two more. Godly fathers will show compassion, gentleness, humility, and a tenderheartedness. Again, we look to Jesus The woman caught in adultery, she should have, by the law, she should have died by stoning. She was caught red-handed, she was caught in adultery, but Jesus had compassion. The lepers, no one wanted to be around them, they were untouchable, Jesus touched the untouchable. Lazarus, I could preach on this. I was thinking about this the other day. We know what happened with Lazarus. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew he was going to Bethany that day, and he knew that Lazarus was going to be dead, and he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus up. But there is Mary and Martha, and the most famous Bible verse, Jesus wept. Now, to me, that's fascinating because Jesus knew what he was getting ready to do. Why would he be weeping? Why would, why would he be... I, if they were me, I was like, hey, Mary and Martha... Chill out, all right? You know, stop crying because in a couple minutes, you're going to be blown away. But instead, he grieved. Instead, Jesus put himself in the situation. It didn't matter what he was getting ready to do. What mattered is that he sat in the mud with Mary and Martha. And he showed 
incredible compassion and gentleness there. Godly dads, they know when to show a strong hand of discipline, and they also know when to back off and show grace. Let me just say, I don't always get that right. Dads, we don't always get that right, do we? Say amen or ouch to that. We don't always get that right. Knowing when to be strong. I can be very OCD in some areas, and those on the worship team, you know that, just whatever, okay? But, you know, I can be very OCD in some areas, and sometimes I forget to let my kids be kids. Sometimes I think that they shouldn't make mistakes. I can be a little strong with that. So we don't always get it right. But dads, we need to try. We need to ask God to give us wisdom and grace and compassion and tenderness, humility and tenderheartedness. Hmm. Dad, even today, I find that the older dad gets, the more tender he gets. Um, you can be around him. He'll be talking about God or be talking about something with his kids. And then all of a sudden he just stops and there's quiet. And you see the tears well up in his eyes. And, and God has just continues to soften dad through the years. What a beautiful thing that is. Dad, dads, it's a beautiful thing to be tenderhearted. There's no weakness in that at all. It takes a real man to know how to cry. Humility. Listen, Dad, sometimes we mess up, right? Listen, Dad, sometimes we mess up, right? All right, we mess up a lot, wives. You tell us that. But, Dads, be a man of God and own up to your mistakes. Be a man of God and sometimes apologize. Apologize and make things right. That's what a real man of God does. They apologize to the individual or the individuals, and they apologize to the child. There were times when us kids deserved harsh punishment, but Dad, he seemed to be pretty good at knowing when to back off and when to lay the hammer down. (laughs) My sister... uh, uh, Actually, I thought of this this morning, and, and I textured her this morning, and um, she told the story to me this morning again. Back when Jamie was learning to drive, uh, by the way, uh, this Thursday, um, Jenna takes her driving test. So those of you who want to know the time and the place and all that, I'll tell you, see me after service. She's doing fine. She's doing all right. <laughs> Mama don't like to be in the front seat as much as Daddy likes to be in the front seat, but that's okay. That's a different issue. She's doing well. Jamie, my sister, when she was, you know, at that age learning how to drive, she must have had her license, I don't know, but she said um, she was pulling the car into the garage, and she just couldn't get it right, and she was backing up and pulling forward, backing up and pulling forward, and every time she was just getting it off, she said, Brock, to the point where I literally had the car in sideways. <laughs> She had the car in sideways. And so she said her final time, she was trying to get the car out, and she, the side of the car hit a nail in the wall. And she kept going. <laughs> and the long streak across, or down the side of the, of the car with that nail just left the biggest scratch. 
And dad could hear from upstairs. Dad was upstairs and he came down. And Jamie said dad didn't say much. But she said he let her know that he was not happy. And of course Jamie was mortified and horrified and all that. But then she said an hour later, dad came down and he apologized. Now, she said he really didn't overreact. He really didn't say anything. She said, if it would have been me, I just would have gone nuts on my child. But she said, Dad didn't do much. He was justified to let me know he was angry, but he felt bad. And he apologized for being angry at me. And she said, I just bawled like a baby. You see, dads, it's okay to be humble. Dads, it's okay to apologize. Your kids, it's okay sometimes, Dad, to use those moments in life to show the grace of Jesus Christ. To know that sometimes we mess up. Hmm. Godly fathers will show compassion, gentleness, humility, and tender-heartedness. Tall order as I know. Last, lastly, and then we'll be through. Godly fathers will prepare their children for the future. Godly fathers will prepare their children for the future. Contrary to uh, belief in our society today, our kids are not to live with mom and dad forever, right? <laughs> that's just not, you know, they're not supposed to live in the home forever. Dads, we need to prepare. Hey, Parker, drive safe, okay, buddy? All right, see ya. He's going to work. I'm trying to prepare him to go on the way to work here, all right? Be safe there. <laughs> He's going to hate me for that. I know. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. God, keep him safe. <laughs> um, dads, we need to prepare our children as best as we can for the world that awaits them. Again, looking to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus often spoke about the end of times. Well, not too often, but he spoke about it enough. But he spoke more about being prepared for that time. If you, you don't have to turn there, but in the first uh, chapter of Acts, you all know the story when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into the Father. The disciples gathered around. They said, look, is this the time that you're going to come back and you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You're going to restore us to national prominence again. When are you going to return again, Jesus? And Jesus really did not answer the question. He just said, you need to wait and watch and pray. I'm not going to answer all that. I'm not going to give you dates and times, Jesus said, because I don't even know. But he said, you need to wait and watch and pray. And what did they need to wait and watch and pray for? They needed to wait and watch and pray for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, he knew that the Holy Spirit was going to be the one that would empower them to live a life of holiness, to empower them to live a life so that when he did come back, when he does come back, they would be ready. It's not important. I mean, we've been talking for a couple months now on the end of times on Wednesdays, but really what matters is are you ready? Are you prepared? You need the Holy Spirit in your life, disciples. And you 11 disciples, they had not yet replaced Judas. The only way that you're going to be ready when I do come back is if you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you have the power to live the kind of life that you need to live so that you're ready. 
My dad, my dad told us and taught us to be honest, to work hard, to show up on time, to be responsible. He taught us kids that when you borrow something, you return it in better shape than when you first borrowed it. When you borrow that shovel, make sure it's cleaner when you return it. Make sure that wheelbarrow is cleaned out. Make sure that truck bed is swept out before you return it if you need to put gas. He taught us all of those things, but more than anything, these are words that will ring in my life forever. Dad said, Brock, Brent, Kim, Jamie, whatever you do, don't miss heaven. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't miss heaven. Not only that, but throughout our entire growing up years, Dad taught us and showed us how to be prepared. I told you about Jenna getting ready to take her driver's test. And many times I have told Jenna over the last several weeks and months, many times I've told Jenna the same thing that my dad told me. When you're driving, he said, don't look at just what's in front of you, right? Don't look at just what's in front of the hood. But he said, look far down there. Look, look, look way out in the distance. Keep your eyes. Pay attention to what's taking place far down the road. You see what I'm trying to say? That's what Dad taught us. Brock, don't just look at what's in front of you that day. Be prepared for heaven. Look out for and watch out for the things of eternal significance so that whenever the day comes, you're ready. He did this by teaching us to live a holy life, live lives close to the Lord. He said this life is not popular, but it's what we're called to do. Dads, is there any greater purpose that you and I have than to lead our kids to Jesus Christ and to prepare them, not just to live life, that is huge, but to live life ready for the life to come. So that we're ready when Jesus shows up. Dads, we are expected to do a lot when it comes to our family We can't do it all unless there is one capital O that we humbly ask to help us. Notice that with every point that I talked about today, I talked first about Jesus and the role that he plays. This is key because whether you have had a great Christian father influence or not, maybe you'd rather just forget about the father side of things here on earth. Listen, you always will have a heavenly Father. Always. Look to Him. He is the ultimate Father. He is the ultimate Papa. Abba, Father, Papa. He is the ultimate. Dads, we may not be perfect, but may we endeavor to give our children glimpses of what our heavenly Father is like. Wow, think about that. May we endeavor to give our kids and our wives and our families glimpses of what the Heavenly Father is like. May we strive to be godly fathers who are compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in love. When a dad who loves the Lord corrects and comforts, instructs and provides for the needs of his children, he models for them the perfect father in heaven. I'm through. We're not going to have a closing song, uh, but there is a song that, um, a video I'm going to play for you. Um, I want you to listen to this. It's by uh, Brian Free and Assurance. It's a quartet. And just what a wonderful challenge this is for us as fathers. Godly fathers, we have a lot, a lot expected of us, but with God's help, we can be what we need to be. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord God, many times I start off by saying thank you for your word. And Lord, I do the same this morning. I thank you for your word. Because everything that we talked about this morning is really traits and qualities and characteristics. Straight from your word, straight from your son, Jesus Christ, that we've been able to look at. But God, for myself, I say thank you. Not for a perfect dad. There's no such thing. But I thank you for a dad who first has loved you with all of his heart. And a dad who took it upon himself to lead his kids to you. And then to train us kids and to teach us kids in the way that we ought to go. Lord, thank you for giving me a dad like that. Lord, I'm, I would imagine there's many people in here today who would say, man, I wish I had that kind of a dad, but I don't. God, even if I wouldn't have had my dad, I would still have you. You are the ultimate father for all of us. And if there was someone in here this morning who hasn't had that kind of an earthly father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that they would just give themselves to you, Heavenly Father. And allow you to lead them and guide them. Allow you to father them. Allow you to teach, guide, and grow. Allow you to comfort them. Allow you to wrap your arms around them and tell them that you love them. That you will never leave them. You'll never forsake them. You'll be with them as long as life lasts. And as long as they will place their lives in your hands. Thank you for that, God. Lord, all of us here, some of us here know the pain of losing a parent. Fathers and mothers don't live forever. But I'm so grateful, God, that you do. And we all this morning look to you, our eternal God and Father. And those of us that are here today that are fathers, I pray that um, we would endeavor to be godly. We would endeavor to live the kind of lives that you want us to live. Mm. That we will love our wives as Christ loved the church. We will love our kids and lay down our lives for them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the example that you are to all of us. Lord, we all have a journey. Lord, there may be some that are saying, boy, I've not done all of those things. Well, they can start. We all can start where we're at. 
May we endeavor to allow you to help us to be more of what we need to be. Whatever area of life that is, we as fathers and as a congregation, we give you our hearts and our lives. Make us what you want us to be, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that uh, you'll enjoy this song, and then afterwards I'll have Dick come up and, and close us. Jesus burned.